Hey everyone, welcome to episode 27 of the Bros In Detroit Pistons podcast. I'm Carl. I'm Alex. And on June 29th, we are on the eve of the NBA free agency, and the Pistons have made a couple of drafts, we've made a couple of moves, we have all kinds of ideas of what our roster needs, and we'll cover all of that. But first, why don't we just quickly discuss our assessment of our playoff appearance. We, we were really excited about making the playoffs, and... Um, we proceeded to get swept by the eventual champion Cavs. So uh, in retrospect, Alex, what do you make of, uh, of our playoff performance? Well, I mean, we're obviously the second best team in the NBA if it took the champs to beat us. So, <laughs> no, I mean, the, that was one of those things where it, it's, we've had such a playoff drought that we really were look, just looking for moral victories. You know, we're playing against this great team that's a contender, and we know that we were happy to get into the playoffs. And so, you know, we got swept, but we, we played them tough a few times. We had the national media saying, oh, Pistons are really playing them tough. That's good, you know, kind of thing. We, you know, we can let ourselves get away with that for one season. Um, and uh, especially given that our team is so young and we haven't – this isn't our peak. You know, I, I think I, I think we can – allow ourselves that indulgence. Um, you know, we, we went to one of the games. Uh, I can't remember. It, it must have been game three, that first um, that first home game that we had at the Palace. And we got to see Kyrie Irving just torch us and um, go crazy, And um, which was not that surprising since he was a number one overall pick. But he hadn't played that great this season. His overall production was actually very similar to Reggie Jackson's. Then he stepped it up to a new level in the playoffs, you know. In the finals, my gosh, I mean, especially. Yes, absolutely. And now he's on the Olympic team and all this stuff. But if you just look at, like, his efficiency and his, um, you know, his, uh, usage rate and stuff like that, he was so, similar to Reggie Jackson during the regular season, um, which was a down year for him and was the absolute peak of Reggie Jackson's career. So I guess it shows why they're the champs and we're uh, glad to get in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, they, they pulled it all together at the right time. But, I mean... I do feel like we they they probably weren't like bringing their A game to to every game against us and we can't really take too much from playing them close but I I would say we we played them closer than anyone besides uh the Raptors the only team that took one game out of them in the Eastern Conference were the Raptors and you know everyone else got swept um and and one thing I take away from it is that the Cavs are really good they're probably going to be only better this year and it would really make a we were t- saying beforehand that well, you know, seven seed, eight seed, who cares? Like, I really care now if we could not face the Cavs again next year. It could make a big difference in our chances at making it deeper into the playoffs. Absolutely. So the sec- the path to the second round uh, definitely does not go through Cleveland for, for us. Um, and again, we, we can be a little cheerful about this, given that m- most of our core has not aged into their peak yet other than Reggie Jackson. So we're, uh, you know, sniffing around the outside and we'll... we'll hopefully be going deeper into the playoffs uh, over the next few years. But uh, so, yeah, that's, that's our playoff performance, um, moral victories. And that's about it. Yeah. And I don't know, just to actually have been at the palace for a playoff game and to have it be sold out. And there was a moment, was it in the fourth quarter where um, I think KCP had a steal and a monster dunk that put us within one. Yeah. And, um, it, that, I mean, the palace completely erupted, and it, it was like really ex- it was so exciting. 
And then I think Kyrie like made a three right after that and just then proceeded to torch us and, and make it not close. But we were in it in the fourth quarter and it was a playoff excitement at the palace, which hasn't been since, you know, for like six years or something like that. So it was cool to be there and I'm so happy that that happened, but yeah. Um, so I don't know, but reflecting back on the season, even before we talk about the roster moves, our biggest needs, just kind of looking back, uh, I think what was our backup point guard. I mean, when, when Reggie was not on the court, and Blake was out. Uh, Steve Blake was out there. I mean, Steve Blake had his moments, but it always felt like, oh God, like, like can we just get Reggie Jackson back out of here? Or like uh, our our bench lineup in general, I guess, just felt pretty pretty weak. Yeah, I, I think you know, beyond um, internal growth, which is where most of our improvements going to come from uh, in terms of roster moves. Uh, yeah, backup point guard is is, is the way to go. Um, our our two weakest rotation players were Steve Blake and um, actually Stanley Johnson in terms of actual production was a very inefficient offensive player. Just, you know, shot a little bit of a low percentage and we will let him get away with that. He was a, was a 19 year old rookie this year um, and, you know, played with gusto and uh, you know, was able to increase the pace and didn't back down and wasn't afraid and all that stuff. And he had, he had some moments in the playoffs too, where he really, you know, took some fearless shots. Okay. Well, we, we got his, his uh, moral victories out of our system, hopefully too. And his, hopefully his skills will improve. Um, and, and so Blake is the guy who is not going to improve by practicing. Um, <laughs> and so we, you know, we've, we've got some cap room, which we can mention later, you know, if we're going to sign a big free agent, I think, um, by far our biggest need is backup point guard, um, in terms of the, the holes in our rotation. Of course, our actual biggest need is to have an excellent player. Who's a, like an all-star who we could play, you know, so if we, if we could sign some awesome player, that's, that's our biggest need at, at, at any position. But, um, in terms of just like getting a guy who's uh, attainable backup point guard is, is, is a big need. Well, and we also traded Dinwiddie. And uh, I think that we were, we've already reflected on the fact that it's really too bad that Dinwiddie wasn't able to kind of pull through even to make a, uh, make the rotation on our team. Uh, you know, he, he's taller, more athletic. You thought he might be able to put, put together an outside shot, but he just doesn't seem that good. And we traded him for, uh, this another big dude who probably won't be a big helpful on our roster. By the way, do you think that Cameron Bearstow will be relevant to our roster? Or is that mostly just like, yeah, we're not, we don't need Dinwiddie anymore. We're going to, I have the impression that the his main attribute, as far as we were concerned, was that his contract is mostly non-guaranteed so we can cut him and get him off our salary cap. Let's talk about our needs and then talk about, uh, you know, cap space and stuff like that. So, you know, number one need is, some a star that can lead us to the promised land like LeBron James. Okay, well, that that's what every team needs. Number uh, the the realistic need is a backup point guard, and then I think you know um, some of the Detroit sports writers and I agree with this. Are, we're saying our, our third need is to have a um, a power forward off the bench who can come in and you know kind of just be shot blocky and bouncy and re, you know energy guy. Uh, the guys who are playing most of the minutes at power forward for us uh, right the, lately were Tobias Harris and Marcus Morris, both of whom are um, really good, you know, stretch power forwards who can shoot a three, who can switch on pick and rolls, 
they both those guys can also play small forward. So those fit a certain type of need and, and are probably our best option to play those guys at forward. But there will be certain lineups and uh, certain situations where we're going to want a more traditional power forward. Just well, and, and Tolliver uh, being an energy guy off the bench, we, it's not clear we're going to re-sign him. So that's also another reason why we definitely need a backup power forward. Yeah, T- Tolliver, you know, he's a journeyman. I wouldn't be upset if we re-signed him. It just, you know, I think I read the other day that 80% of his field goal attempts this year were three-pointers. So he definitely adds that dimension. But he, he doesn't give you anything that um, that Morris and Harris don't. I mean, he's a better defender than Harris. But that's uh, that's about it. What, what we what, what I think we want is somebody more like uh, what uh, the guy we drafted is going to turn into. So we, we filled the hole long term, I think, with our number eighteen pick uh, Henry Ellenson uh, out of Marquette. Um, you know, so th- that's that was our other big move that we had to make is is to make our make our draft picks. Um, so let's talk about him a little bit. Um, I don't think he fits the need immediately for for a, you know, a traditional power forward because you know he was a freshman last year and so he's going to play at, at age nineteen this year, which means that he's probably going to kind of suck. And if we want to you know make it deep into the playoffs or make it to the second round, where we're not going to be relying on him for for heavy minutes. Um, just you know, the, the, the guys that age, just it, their body tends not to be ready, and they don't know how to play NBA defense, especially as a big man. But um, the the word on him uh, is that uh, Van Gundy said they he was on a, a handful of players who they didn't even bring in to work out because they thought there was no chance he'd be available when we picked at number eighteen. Um, you know, the Pistons are saying he was number ten on our draft board. He was consistently in the like uh, 11, 12, 13, 15 ish range on mock drafts um, by draft experts. You know, Chad Ford of ESPN, Draft Express, Hoops, uh, or um, NBADraft.net, and so forth. Um, so it seems like we got a good value. We, we got a arguably lottery pick guy outside the lottery. Yeah, did um, you read that Izzo had been really trying to get him on MSU? And he texted SVG on draft night saying, "Like, man, you got a good, you got a good one here." No, I didn't. That's awesome. So Izzo had scouted him heavily, and then he he ended up wanting to stay in his home in his home state. But um, yeah, that seems like a like it's kind of like other teams were swinging for the fences and taking risks on on like lesser known European guys, and that made like a known quantity, a, a known non spectacular but very solid quantity fall into our laps, and that's cool. I mean, it's kind of like. Um, maybe the expected outcome of uh, our draft last year in some way. I mean, maybe maybe Stanimal was a little bit more exciting, but uh, that's kind of nice to feel like, hey, we might have actually gotten uh, a starter, and then and they'll like maybe maybe th- two years from now he'll be a starter. That that's entirely possible. He, he's that he's that kind of talent who pr- you know projects to be a rotation player or starter. You know, and if you just squint a little bit, you could see that you know maybe he could make. Make it one or two All Star games at his, the absolute peak of his career if he gets in the right situation. He's he. he uh, I don't know if you had a chance to watch the um, the Draft Express scouting videos on him, but those are always hilarious to watch because they always have two on every player: one a strengths and one a weaknesses one. 
And when you watch the strengths one, you think, oh, my God, this guy's awesome. He's going to be an all-star. And then you watch the weaknesses one, and it's like, man, this guy's going to be cut immediately. He's terrible. <laughs> How, you know, like, why did we draft him? And so his strengths are he's 6'11", um, with, with long arms, so he's got you know the right size. And he's pretty skilled. He's a good athlete in the sense that he's very coordinated. So he he was like getting rebounds and dribbling it up the floor, and uh, you know putting a little bit of a pretty slow, but a, you know putting a move on the other big man to get by him, and um, has a nice looking shooting stroke. He didn't shoot a a great percentage from three. He shot a little under thirty percent, but he looks like a guy that scouts say could develop a three point shot in the middle of his career, and that's good because you know uh, it's, it's super important to have big men who can space out the floor and and um you know leave some space in the lane for your guards to penetrate and so forth so you know looks like he's got the tools and then the weakness is one um it looks like he can't move laterally at all he doesn't look like he's in very good shape he um he does not seem explosive i mean it seems like he can hardly dunk and he's like 611 so i mean yeah exactly so you know i i looked at him and i sort of thought um you know, I don't know if people remember Brad Miller from the the Sacramento Kings and Chicago Bulls, um, or um, uh, what's that guy's name who's on Miami? Josh McRoberts, uh, who, who's kind of a skilled big man, good passer, uh, decent shooter. Um, you know, uh, maybe a Charlie Villanueva, but Villanueva was a little better shooter in college. But anyway, this guy Henry Ellenson, he 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 put up like. Like nineteen points, nine boards, or something, or seventeen, 17 points, points, nine yeah. boards as as a freshman uh, in a decent conference. So that's good, um, you know. So so I we don't want to fall into the trap that the some of these draft commentators do. Like, oh, he can come in and contribute right away. You know, unless you're getting one of the top, you know, at least five picks. You know, you, you're really not going to be relying on a, a guy to you know help your team win in playoff basketball as a rookie um, because it's just really hard to play in the NBA. But um, a nice pick. You know, we got good grades all around from the from the draft pundits. You know, nice to, you know, nice feather in our cap. Good. We'll file that away. And hopefully, you know, two, three years from now when Drummond is tearing up the league uh, as the best center in the in the NBA and, uh, you know, KCP's making all defense teams and Stanimals making an all-star team at, you know, when they're hitting their peaks, that's when this guy will come in and start being a starter caliber player or better. Uh, that's, that's, that's the great vision for him, I'd say. Yeah. So, uh, yay, yay Pistons draft. We drafted a guy in the second round, uh, um, who I don't know much about, uh, Mike, uh, Jibinji. uh, his, his first name starts with the letters G and B. Um, honestly, I did not, I, I couldn't find anywhere that was said his name. Uh, so, he was a, he was a senior last year, I think. So he's coming in at age twenty four, um, which usually is a sign that a, a guy's not going to improve too much. He's he's uh, I guess he projects as a possible three and D player, you know, a wing player who can um, play good defense and hit a hit a wide open shot. Really good to have those guys on the team. Uh, you know, I wish him the best. There's also a little talk that maybe he could be a, he could play point guard as a third string point guard. I'm not sure where that's coming from. I, Again, I don't know anything about the guy. We just we'll just have to see. Second round picks. It's just like it's great if they make the roster, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, so you know, we, we had we come into this offseason with those needs. We didn't meet any of them in terms of our, of our rotation in in the draft, but we got a, some long term prospects. You know, so let's talk about uh, free agency. Free agency starts uh, on Friday, and you know the the league's going to just hold its breath until Kevin Durant makes his decision. But whether to resign with Oklahoma City or you know, I guess he's he, he's having meetings with five other teams. So, you know, then a bunch of other dominoes will fall. Um, yeah, and it kind of starts with how much cap space do we have um, by kind of ditching Dinwiddie and getting Barista, who we could drop if we wanted to, and not resigning Tolliver, and then also trading Jody Meeks, which just had, was that today that happened? Yep, just today we, we traded Jody Meeks to the Orlando Magic for a, a future second rounder. Um, I thought it was funny that the second rounder is protected in some way. It was, that's really, <laughs> talk about really just very clear that it's a cap clearing move. Yeah, the, uh, that that's more common than you'd think. I, I don't know, I don't quite know why. I guess I have the sense that there's a big drop off between like the first five or so picks in the second round are kind of. You can get really good value there, um, but then later in the second round, you know, the, you start to get guys who have trouble making the team. I don't know. It, it is kind of funny, but it's too bad um, that Jody Meeks didn't amount to more on our route. I mean, he just had injuries the whole time. And that was that was Van Gundy's first big move when he got here. Uh, he's obviously made a lot of smart moves since then, but uh, I remember we were hopeful that he he would really open up our offense, and uh, he never really got into a rhythm. I know he. I, I don't think it was a mistake to sign him. It just didn't work out. He had these freak injuries that had nothing to do with any previous injuries he had. It's not like we took a guy with shaky knees and then he had knee injuries. He he had a compression fracture in one of his vertebrae two years ago, and then last year he broke a bone in his foot randomly. So, the bottom line is, we got cap space now. And um, what's what do you think we're going to do with the cap space? You you you're. It looks like Yahoo actually published uh, a nice summary of every team's cap space because you were maintaining your own piston salary cap sheet uh, until now. This is just someone, a professional, knows all the rules and made it available finally. Yeah, I I had this Google Sheets uh, spreadsheet that I was doing for a few years. Uh, I can't remember whether I started it or uh, my friend Charles started it, but... Um, to, to try to you know track where we were the cap, salary cap, but yeah, the the, the that new um, sports empire, the vertical on Yahoo with um, Adrian uh, Wojnarowski, um, is they have for every single team they they have this guy Bobby Marks who I think used to be a cap expert for actual NBA teams set this up. So now we know for sure. That um, w- after the Dinwiddie and Jody Meeks trades, we have something like twenty-one million dollars of cap space, and you know that that's not as much as you'd think. Um, that's that sounds like a max contract under the old salary cap rules, but we're we're going to have to recalibrate our brains here. Like it, it'll be like switching to like Celsius or you know British pounds or something because. Um, the uh, a max uh, salary for a guy like um, Al Horford, who's been a a, um, a player for less than ten years, is twenty eight million dollars a year starting salary on the max contract. And for a guy, it, it gets up above thirty for a guy who's you know the the top top level max like LeBron's going to get. 
So $21 million sounds like it'll be enough to definitely get us um, a good backup point guard and all, probably also a journeyman big man who can you know come in and be tall and block some shots if, if the matchups dictate. So, you know, worst case scenario, I think we'll probably get somebody solid, plug our, our holes in our rotation and just, you know, let that internal growth and, you know, the draft picks slowly, work their magic slowly over the next few years. But the best case scenario is uh, I, I think that um, we, we have a non-zero chance of getting Al Horford from the Atlanta Hawks. He, he's really our only only chance to get a guy who's an all-star caliber player. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that, uh, again, our, uh, my friend Charles pointed out to me today, you know, uh, Horford grew up in the Lansing area, and you know, he ended up going to Florida for college. And his um, his former agent for most of his career was this guy, Arne Tellum, who was one of the big power agents in the NBA. Well, Arne Tellum um, left the agent business and start, and now works for Palace and Entertainment as a VP of something or other um, for uh, Tom Gores. And so that's another connection we have, you know, for the conspiracy minded. But anyway, we, we would have, we would have to clear like seven or eight million bucks more in cap space to sign him, and that would be awesome if we did. But you know, I'd say I wonder. So Arn Tellums basically means we can get we can get one phone call through to his cell phone before he blacks. He's like, wait, I forgot. Why is this on my phone? <laughs> yeah. You know. So you're saying there's a chance. You know. <laughs> so so is that is is that is that pretty much speculation? Like, what is the buzz about why we would have a particular chance at at Horford? There's no buzz that we would have a chance that we're what um, the only thing I've seen connecting us to Horford would be one of those articles on realgm.com that just says you know the the Wizards the Knicks the something and the Pistons have interest in Al Horford that's that's the level of connection and buzz we're seeing right now. Is there I mean do we is Horford going to be a max contract? Yes, he is. He he's um he's a weird. Guy where I think he scored like 16 points a game last year, so he, like the average fan wouldn't see him as a as a star player, but he plays he plays he's he's basically like um like a super duper role player who's so good he's an all star level guy. He's um he plays really efficiently, shoots with a high percentage. He can hit jump shots and and near the basket. And he's a really good defender, both in the post and on, like, being mobile as a big man and switching on pick and rolls and stuff like that. And so he would, you know, if you just go off of my favorite metric, offensive win shares, he would come in and be about as good as Reggie Jackson for our offense. And he would probably come in and be our best defender as well. um, If Andre Drummond doesn't take the leap up, um, we're hoping, and start to be a good rim protector. So, you know, he would come in and, and probably add, you know, four or five wins immediately to to our team. Well, so what, what would we have to give up? We, we, would, we would need to trade. Well, he, I'm not exactly sure. You know, hypothetically, you know, we could probably clear approximately the right amount of cap space if we just convinced another team to take Aaron Baines for nothing or, like, we attached a second-round pick. And, you know, th- this is a really weird year where – all the existing contracts kind of shrink in size be relative to the cap, and so it'll be really easy for teams to take those um, those contracts. 
And there are, I think, I think I looked this up like a month ago. I think there are literally like 20 teams that have max contract cap space available. That's two thirds of the league. And there's, there's maybe like, like three players who are free agents now that are worth a max contract or like five. So there's going to be a lot of cap space out there with nothing to fill it. And so if a team like ours really wants to get rid of a decent player, who you, a lot of teams would be like, yeah, sure, you know, we're not going to get Kevin Durant, so we'll take him. Um, by the way, that's probably the other like most efficient use of our cap space is to wait around until another team wants to dump a guy for cap reasons. Like that's why we got that's actually how we got Marcus Morris and Anthony Tolliver last year. Phoenix was just clearing out cap room so that they could go on their fool's errand trying to. Um, get Lamarcus Aldridge to join their team, and then they ended up holding, holding their dicks, you know, and not, you know, they just signed Tyson Chandler, and it didn't work out. So, you know, it, it's, um, you know, it would be really easy to clear the space. I'm pretty sure in this offseason because you know, no, cap space is not as precious as we're used to thinking about it as being. So, if we wanted to get them, we could without without destroying our team. And Horford, um, as a guy who can hit a mid range jumper and pass really well and set good picks. He could actually play next to Andre Drummond on offense really effectively um, and on defense as well. Um, so, you know, that, that would be great. That's like the, you know, 5% chance, 1 in 20 chance dream scenario. Do you think this would – I mean, I remember when we were just mentioning in passing like last year in our podcast, like, well, what if we could get LaMarcus Aldridge? Do you think that like it's that hopeless or is there like more hope than we had at getting uh, Aldridge to get Orford? Because my instinct is that like – we're we're not the kind of team right now that's going to make that's going to be a player in an obvious free agent market. Like we're going to be making crafty moves like we did for Morris and especially for Tobias Harris, who looks like it looks like a great contract at this point. Yep. Um, I would say that it's a better chance than Lamarcus Aldridge, who was clearly just going for to this to the highest contender he possibly go to, like his best chance of winning. Um, but I don't think it's a very big chance. It's like Again, like five ten percent chance. So we've probably talked about it as much as you know is really uh, warranted. You know, probably by like Monday, he's going to have signed with like either re-signed with Atlanta or signed with the Spurs or or something like that. And um, and that's all she wrote. Um, <clears throat> so the uh, the other things we could do with our cap room are again, if a team wants to clear cap space, like let's say Phoenix wants to wants to clear a bunch of cap room and, and go balls to the wall for another free agent, a big free agent, and then, you know, fall short and be sad. Let's say, you know, they have Brandon Knight on their team. He's going to be paid like 14 or 15 million bucks next year. Well, uh, that's, you know, we have $21 million of cap space. We could just, we could just trade our, a future first rounder for him or, a, you know, a, you know, one of our minor players for him. If they if they're just wanting to clear cap room, and if they think he's not a good pairing next to their other point guard, um, Eric Bledsoe, I don't I don't know if that was going to happen. But that's just an, an illustration of the type of deal we could do. That somebody's backup point guard who, for whatever reason, they would rather have the cap room than the player. Or they want to redo on the big contract they sign him for. Yeah, we could just take him. Um, so, yeah, that's, that seems more like a scenario, and, and that's also a much harder to anticipate scenario unless we yes. really spent days scouting every team in that. And like we're, we're not—that's what you know. 
that's what Jeff Bauer is doing. That that's not what we're doing right now. So yeah, I, I've you know I've been following the NBA pretty fanatically um, at, at like a super detailed level for ten years, and one of the big lessons I've learned is that I'm really terrible at predicting what trades teams are going to do. I always think of like, oh, I got this double bank shot idea. That's a great idea, and like it, you know, it never happens. It's you know, no one ever even talks about it. It's probably a bad idea. So it's probably not not a good use of uh, our or our listeners' time to to try to go through those scenarios. But that just I just wanted to illustrate that you know, um, just taking a player off a off another team's hands is is, is a role that we can play. Um, you know, other than that, you know, probably the the most likely scenario is that we just you know we sign a, a veteran backup point guard who's much better than Steve Blake. And, you know, I've got a list of a few names just for examples of the types of guys we can get. Um, you know, there's, you know, so Jeremy Lin is one of the big names that's out there. He's probably going to sign with a team who can, who's willing to pay him, you know, $15 million or more and start him. So, you know, maybe Houston or something like that. So we're probably not going to get him. But, you know, Mario um, used to start for the Heat. Um, uh, Brandon Jennings is, is a free agent. Um, Jared Bayless, who used to play for the Bucks, is a kind of short but a really good shooter, um, you know, veteran. You know, the, the, that level of quality of player, Roman Sessions is in his early 30s and is a good pick-and-roll player, a veteran player. So uh, those, are, those guys are unrestricted free agent and veterans, and those, those guys would all – those are all flawed players. Some, a lot of them are really bad at defense, but they're all way better than uh, we were. What we were getting from Steve Blake and Spencer Dinwiddie last year, and that's that's probably the kind of ho hum move we're going to end up having to make. Yeah, and it's, that'd be really funny actually if um, Brandon Jennings ended up boomerang back because we we traded him and Ilyasova uh, and no picks to get Tobias Harris, and Ilyasova's already gone to. Uh, as part of that trade with the Thunder, yep. uh, to get Ibaka, and so the, I, I doubt they're like really, like you know, looking at Jennings as like a key to their future. And you know, we would be a, like I remember thinking that that kind of hurt to lose Jennings, but this is definitely worth it. But it kind of hurts, and he was actually pretty good as a backup point guard. Yep. So I, I, would, I would take that for sure. Absolutely, and you know, I've been I've been really looking, and I've not heard anybody around the league mention that it was there's any possibility of Jennings coming back to us. Reading between the lines, there um, perhaps uh, Jennings and Van Gundy didn't get along very well. I <clears throat> I haven't heard anything stating that, but just. You know, Jennings spent spent a decent amount of time here, and what you know, and we've got caps. We need a backup point guard. You know, I've seen some fans ask about it, but no, you know, nobody around the league is saying that's that's on the rate on anybody's radar. So who who knows? And by the way, we had we had Brandon Knight, and we traded him and Chris Middleton for Brandon Jennings. So that, that's kind of oh man, <laughs> I would love to have those two players back. <laughs> yes, uh, so. You know, you, you never know how these things are going to work out. We take our chances. The the other thing we could do is, um, it, you know, it, I mentioned you know, we could just trade for a, a, a player that a, that a team wants to get rid of. There are a few guys like that. Lou Williams from the Lakers is a kind of a combo guard who could play backup point guard, and he he's kind of old for the Lakers, kind of a young movement. Um, you know, Darren Collison of the Sacramento Kings would have been really perfect 
um, he, his his salary was exactly the same size, roughly, as Jody Meeks's, and he's a great backup point guard. But then he just got arrested for domestic violence like two weeks ago, so you know that's out. So you know, you, I, I spend my time like on my commute, like scanning around the league in my mind, thinking of like, okay, what players are are a good fit, and I can never predict it. But I think we've laid out the general categories here. You know, we could we have. A slight chance of signing a star, but mostly we're not that kind of team. Van Gundy's respected, but he's not a Phil Jackson, Pat Riley type of guy who just like somehow always convinces the star to go there. Um, you know, and every interview I've heard with Van Gundy, he he mentions like you know we're not really a destination. <laughs> like the weather sucks here, and uh, yeah. yeah, there's no there's no great sale, you know state income tax advantage or anything like that. So we got to be a little more crafty. And, and he said that even as recently as. Uh, he was a guest on, on J.J. Reddick's podcast. Yeah. The income tax thing always sort of bugs me because, you like, we don't have a zero state income tax like Florida and Texas do, but we don't have a high state top-level state income tax either. It's under 4%. And, you know, California and New York have, like, way well over 10% as their top level. So, like, the difference be, from California to us is like seven or eight percentage points. And from us to Florida, it's like less than four percentage points. So either everyone's just really simple-minded and they're just like, I understand the number is zero, and other than that, I don't care. Or these things don't really matter that much or or something. But like I you know, in my in my in my real in my real job I do economics and tax policy. So like I'm thinking about like, okay, what's the actual difference here? And <laughs> and it, you know. Now, I don't know. Overall, though, looking ahead, like we, if we don't make a big splash this year, we have even more cap room next year. And I, I like our roster right now. I feel like it's pretty well constructed if we can make some sensible moves and fill the backup, maybe get a serviceable backup point guard, another option to backup power forward, let our team uh, really kind of congeal more, see if Stanley Johnson becomes a more reliable, actually productive offensive force and does Drummond a, or maybe they change the rules this off season and they, and they remove they, they disincentivize the hack strategy that, that alone would make Drummond way, way more valuable. Uh, and if he, that and Drummond steps it up on defense, uh, Reggie Jackson t- takes it a little bit to another level, maybe becomes like in the all-star conversation. I just would, I would be happy to not fuck it up right now. You know, like I don't want to get greedy and be like Eastern conference finals are bust. I'm thinking like, I want to. I, I, my goal, I, my dream right now would be like our current roster. Make a couple of moves to uh, tidy up the ship and think about fifty wins. Uh, think about second round, maybe third round, and be like, all right, that's good for this year. And then, uh, and then next year, like, see where we're at. I mean, the, there's a solid logic to that. I mean, you, you got to just, you know, in some sense, be happy with what you have and be happy with improvement. I mean, <clears throat> in, in some ways. We kind of just have to wait around until LeBron gets old. Like by the time LeBron is starting to decline, is when Drummond is going to hit his peak. You know, like that's kind of the timetable we're on. Um, but it's not like we have the, cho- the the choice to like. Well, let's not get good right now. Let's wait till later. Like if we can get good right now, we wouldn't. We you know, we, it's just it's hard to be good. That's why you know by definition, there's only one best pl- you know team in the league. But even but even some of the crazy scenarios that you, we probably don't want to delve into because they're unrealistic. But you're like, oh well, someone like Blake Griffin, um, he doesn't have great chemistry with Chris Paul, or like uh, in terms of like their production together. So what if we 
traded like mortgaged our entire team to get him. Like I don't. That just seems really risky to me. I'm not even sure that'd be a good move, right? I mean, we we have to we have to trade probably um, all everyone but Drummond uh, and Reggie Jackson or something like that. And yeah, right. It, I I think that we would definitely uh, take that phone call and, and listen really hard. Um, I think that we would do it. Uh, but you're right. I mean, you you have to think about what timetable are on. If you, if you get a guy who's at the peak of his career um, at the same time uh, uh, and is going to start declining right when our other guys get good and and we have to trade, you know, a lot of our young guys to do it, you always have to think about that. But I think for now, you know, the reason we're not making a big move is because we can't. Like, we just don't have the, the assets to do it. We don't have we don't have any great draft picks to trade. We don't have this big stockpile of assets like Houston and Philadelphia and the Celtics have have tried to build up, and that's typically what it's taken to get like a a, a star in his prime type of guy to come away from their team. So we just gotta you know let, uh, to just to push back on something you said earlier. We're, at, we're I don't think we're gonna have more cap room next year. Because even though the salary cap's going to go way up, we're going to have Drummond signed to like a near nearly thirty million dollar a year deal that's going to eat up all of our future cap room. So this is a, this is our shot to use cap room to sign a free agent. But but again, you know Reggie Jackson, KCP, Stanley Johnson, Tobias Harris, Andre Drummond. That's that that's the best collection of under twenty six talent. Um, uh, on any roster, you know, if you're talking about groups of four or five players, um, of course, you know, Minnesota with Carl Anthony Towns and who cares who else they have, you know, not to me- you know, not to mention Andrew Wiggins is is better because Carl Anthony Towns is is uh, probably a Hall of Famer shoe in uh, already. Um, so uh, again, if we could get way better, we probably would. Uh, we we can't because we don't. We don't have this crazy asset stockpile. We just got a solid team that's going to get better every year, and it's not impossible. It's not super unlikely that one of our guys could take a big step up. The big, the, our big hope is Andre Drummond figures out how to be a good defender instead of a, a, a like a kind of a bad defender with potential. He he just he looks a little clueless protecting the rim. If he could get good at that, which players learn how to do, Roy Hibbert got good at it um, uh, in the middle of his career. You know, that's that's entirely possible. And he's really young, and he's really big and athletic, and cares a lot. So, you know, that it, it really is possible that we could be really good for for many years, starting you know with steps we we start to take this year. And you know that that's not a guaranteed path to being a contender, but you know we're in a pretty good position right now. I'd rather be us than than a lot of the other teams in the league right now. Like Atlanta is kind of screwed. Like they they kind of hit their peak last year, and now all their players are kind of in their late twenties, early thirties. And what are they going to do? You know. And I'm not. Yeah, for some reason, getting obsessed with being a contender, I, I want to feel like we're not. You don't want to mortgage your future to become like a peak second round playoff team. But at the same time, I mean, come on, we, we hadn't made the playoffs in six years and now I don't want to talk. I don't want to have it be like, uh, I I'm not yet impatient with just enjoying having a young, good team that is getting better every year. Like, well, let's see how that works for a little bit and not fuck things up. That's kind of how I'm feeling right now. 
And 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 it's not like a foregone conclusion that we'll we'll even make the playoffs this year. Even though I think we'll be better next year than we were last year, um, the, there are a few teams that got better. I think you know uh, the Wizards, if they have better luck with Bradley Beal's injuries and if they can get a decent free agent, they could they could be better next year than they were last year. Um, Orlando traded for Serge Ibaka, who is the single perfect human being on the planet to play next to Nikola Vucevic, their big center who is a good scorer and rebounder, but not a good rim protector. Uh, you know, it, it, they really, they did a trade for Ibaka that really, I think unlocks a lot of things for them. Um, yeah, you know, and you go down the line, I, th- I don't think the Bulls got any better, but, it, but we we're already ahead of them. The, the Celtics could take a big step up. You know, they, they might just sign Dwight Howard and add him to their 48-win team from last year. And Howard is still an above-average player uh, on both ends of the floor. Um, uh, he's not a star anymore. But, you know, you the, the competition is going to get a little fiercer in the middle class of the East. And uh, that will keep things interesting for sure. Yeah. I mean, I would not take for granted that we're going to just – I mean, you're right. I mean, we, it, it could totally happen that we have a disappointing season too, and kind of are like the Washington of last year. You know, a team that was really excited about their previous year's performance. Like we're on the up and up, and then they, you know, we're just three three games out. Even though they're a 500 team, they didn't make the playoffs. So, um, but but I think I think a lot of teams would really tr- trade places with us in terms of again that young core I mentioned. I mean, we've got this gigantic center who's going to be 23 years old next year who made an all third team all nba and the all-star team and led the league in rebounding okay you know so we have all this stuff to say about like oh well you know he kind of looks clueless on defense a little bit he was 22 last year like the the we, we drafted a second round guy who's like a year older than him this year you know um so he he's got a we, we we've got a lot of of upside risk, uh, if you will. Yeah, and you know, and uh, Tobias Harris also seems like someone who is, uh, has someone who had a chance to yeah. uh, make a contribution and fit in and, and be decent last year, but he wasn't stellar. I think he's the kind of person who we could be really excited about as like an equal offensive producer next to Reggie Jackson, if on, on a, an ideal scenario. And we just kind of freeze things up on our offense a lot. Yeah. He, he's a really nice, um, third best player on your team um, type of guy. He, you know, he can. He's kind of above average at sh- hitting wide open shots, pumping and driving to the basket if if you close out on him, and posting up. Really good kind of utility infielder on offense who can who can really, um, you know, help you be versatile and, and, and attack the defense wherever it's weak. Um, you know, you don't want him to be your best or second best guy, but. You know, he fits right in with us. He he fits in really well with um, Reggie Jackson and and Andre Drummond. You know they do the pick and roll, and then you pass it to Harris if it doesn't work out, and and then he can get something going while the defense is shifting. So, and then you know Stanley Johnson and KCP are both uh, try really hard on defense. KCP is um, already a good defender. Stanimal has the body and competitiveness to become a good defender and they both run and can get us fast break points. You know, if under you, you can just see it. Andre Drummond gets every defensive rebound and outlets it to them and they get a few fast break points. You know, it's just, you, you can imagine that we have like four or five different things that have the potential to surprise us working out really well. 
And so we don't know what it's going to look like, but it's just really plausible that we take a, a moderately a big step up um, this year or the year after. And, and again, like to, to not be in that position where it's like, well, we were pretty good this year, but like, yeah, we've kind of maxed out our potential and we kind of suck. Um, you know, we're, we're, we've peaked at, at the eighth seed. That's not the position we're in. We, we we're we're a few rungs from the top of our ladder, and we got the eighth seed. That's great. So, uh, the- I mean, like to your point, I might I might be excited. I, I maybe I wouldn't trade places with the Hawks, even though they were a sixty win team a year ago, and you know, but their trajectory is not as fun. But um, I don't, this is going to be excited. I kind of it'll be hard to it'll be, it's going to be a long time until uh, we have a, we're finally back to the regular season. But man, it's fun just to like get back into the weekly grind of having a couple of Pistons games to watch every two or three Pistons games to watch every week. Yep. And, and you know, a, a lot will shake out next week with free agency. We'll, um, <clears throat> we'll probably sign one or two guys, you know, who knows, maybe we'll get Matthew Della Vadova to be our, our solid backup point guard and then go from there. Also the Orlando summer league starts um, next week, I think. So we can get a, uh, get a look at Henry Ellenson um, and uh, see what Stanimal's been up to. I guess you know articles saying he's been working on his his footwork and his shooting and uh, stuff like that. And, <laughs> and he's saying all the right things, saying like, "Yeah, I, I really got to come prepared. I got to go to sleep on time." And you know all this stuff. It, you know, kind of hilarious. Like, yeah, you were nineteen last year. <laughs> comments and, on, on the other side of things. Have you seen Andre Drummond's like Instagram account where like he's been publishing these. Fun, strange videos of like music videos of him like on four wheelers and stuff like with a crew of guys and I'm glad he's having a fun, a fun time. I just uh, but maybe I hope that doesn't translate into him just like not being conditioned in the off season or something like that. Uh. <laughs> well, I mean, how how mu- how much can you work out every day? You know, I mean, you you can go hard for a few hours, but there's like 20 additional hours in the day for you to have fun and be a millionaire. Yeah, yeah. You know? But I wonder if Van Gundy was like. I like seeing him on a four wheeler. You're like Jesus Christ, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. I, you don't want anyone you care about to be on a four wheeler <laughs> for any length of time, really. Uh, but, um, all right. Well, I, yeah. So I think <clears throat> the, the, this really is going to be a fun off season. We, we've got a couple more moves to make, and uh, yeah, and summer league's always uh, always fun for the major geeks like us too. So uh, I guess we'll leave it at that. Yeah, we'll check back in. We're going on a family vacation in three weeks, and we're going to be trapped in a uh, extended family compound for a week. And I, we, I assume we can break out and get another brosane, get some rhythm going here. So, thanks for for the listeners. If there's plural listeners still listening at the end here, thank you, and uh, we will see you in a few weeks.